Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, the lifetimes and mysterious death of pioneering assassination researcher and citizen journalist, Mae Russell. Primarily, she concentrated on Mark David Chapman. And if you, you take a look at the trial, you find there are four psychiatrists who interviewed uh, Mark David Chapman, and they all came away with the judgment that he was pretty much crazy. But if you look into the bona fides of those four psychiatrists, you find that they're all on the CIA payroll. So it's facts like this that she put together and came to the conclusion that he had been murdered by the CIA, which is pretty hard to avoid once you have all the essential facts. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier. And a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. All right, all you Brussels sprouts, and I use that term with tremendous respect because that's what her devotees or disciples are called, without a doubt, Mae Brussels stands as one of the premier researcher and investigative journalists, and she can accurately be described as one of the forerunners of what is now accepted commonly as citizen journalism in the current blogging world. And she's directly inspired the work of many prominent researchers, including Alex Constantine. In her early life, May was a married housewife with five children and living in Southern California. And then, after the Kennedy assassination, she took it upon herself to buy the 26-volume Warren Commission hearings and started studying for herself the evidence that Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone assassin. In May of 71, after seven years of research, she appeared as a guest on KLRB, an independently owned local FM radio station, 
and the response to her appearance was so good she became a regular weekly guest and afterwards had her own talk show, Dialogue, Conspiracy, later changed to World Watchers International. In 1983, May's show moved to KAZU-FM in Pacific Grove, and there it stayed until her final broadcast on June 13, 1988. On October 3rd of that year, at the age of 66, May Brussel died of cancer, although some to this day insist she was murdered. Here, to hang with us for the next 45, 50 minutes or so, and to tell us more about the life and times and the legacy of the late May Brussel, is Alex Constantine. He is the author of seven books on political corruption, organized crime, the intelligence community, and corporate excesses including the aforementioned The Covert War Against Rock, ranked by the London Observer among the 50 best books on music ever. Uh, I would wholeheartedly concur with that assessment. He is the author of Blood Carnage and the Agent Provocateur, Psychic Dictatorship in the USA, Virtual Government, and the editor, as I say, of Fascism in America, The Essential May Brussel. Alex, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's good to have you here. It's been a long while. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I guess we'd have to go back to about 2000 when your book, Covert War Against Rock, came out, and that's the last time we talked. First of all, now, Feral House is re-releasing this. Is there anything new about uh, this edition that we didn't find in the 2009? Well, I had, actually, I had the book offered first at my website, The Constantine Report. Okay. Which is probably the most ambitious project I've ever undertaken. It's a, it's an encyclopedia of fascism uh, with over 9,000 entries to it. You can follow your nose through any any subject. All the, there's a massive index at the bottom of the homepage, and you can research to your heart's content. And I would just, I would expect that it would take a year or two to to go through the entire thing. Uh, so. Uh, the books are good, but I think you'll find more information at the website. But uh, for the take on May Brussels, uh, this book is... Actually, I'm surprised by it. It came out very well, and uh, I'm real happy with it. So you were a Brussels sprout, were you? Yeah, I was... Uh, actually, I began investigating the ritual abuse uh, scandals of the mid-1980s, and the press has done uh, a pretty good job of smearing the victims and lying about what happened in those preschools back in the 80s. But I worked on it for about six months before the propaganda assault began. And uh, I interviewed victims. I talked to a lot of the children, some of whom were hospitalized. I talked to the parents. I collected all the information that I could. I was pretty obsessed with it, with the whole subject at the time. And then the media came along going the other way, claiming that the kids have been coerced, that uh, you heard all sorts of excuses for what happened. And that's where I began, and I had never heard of May Brussel at that time. And then one day I turned on the radio and, and caught her talking about the same subject from the same point of view as myself. So I contacted some of the parents in, the, in a case up in San Francisco at the Presidio, and uh, they contacted her. Uh, she had them down. She videotaped her interview with them. And uh, although we were working independently, we were doing exactly the same sort of work. So I began to send her information and uh, people to talk to. And she went on the air and, and took up some of the subjects that I had gotten her involved in. What I didn't know at the time was that 
she had the FBI living on one side of her house, and the the, na- the neighbors across the street were CIA. Uh, she had a long history of of harassment that she re- rarely even talked about, really, including the murder of her daughter. And I think that's why she was so obsessed with the whole subject herself, because when something like that happens, I know from experience that that it only drives you harder. And I've been going for 25 years since, and I still consider myself a Brussels sprout. I still pick up her information and find it shocking and surprising and and very informative. Uh, In fact, I consider her like the foremost uh, researcher, reporter, whoever lived. And I think anybody who really delves into her material objectively and shuts out the propaganda that comes to the media will come to the same conclusion. As I mentioned, Alex, she, she starts out, you know, humble beginnings, housewife, raising children, doing, you know, that's, uh, I don't mean that as a slight, I mean, that's that's important work. But she didn't have any formal training, did she, as an investigator, as a reporter? No, I, I, I really think that she was just sort of your average middle-class housewife at the time. And uh, she became, she had, she had some of the best instincts you know, in the business, and I think she began to see through the whole cover story, the Kennedy assassination. She knew that Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy, and um, if you pick up the Warren report and do as she did, pour through all the volumes and take 35,000 pages of notes, you, you, you can see exactly what happened there, and the only reason the public is confused is because there's a profusion of fake books about the Kennedy assassination, and the average person just throws up his hands and doesn't go any farther with it. But she had, I think, I think the Warren Commission really set her on the right path because she she saw through it. She she like I said, she did thirty five five thousand pages of handwritten notes. She took down names, and these things really pr- proliferate because once you've got one name that leads you to to research and then you you find five more names and they lead lead you to five more names and then pretty soon you have a pretty good grasp of what's going on um, so i i really think that that initial education set her on the right path and, and it's pretty well known that that by the time watergate came along uh the same characters were involved. As a matter of fact, she picked up the very first reports on the Watergate break-in and recognized the names of the Cubans involved in the Watergate break-in, and she recognized uh, the names of some of the Cubans involved in the Kennedy assassination. And uh, I, I think by that time she understood that Nixon was the whole point of the Kennedy assassination, both Kennedys, and, and uh, the shooting of George Wallace, and a lot of uh, sub-conspiracies that went on, including the elimination of witnesses, uh, the death of the publisher of the Washington Post, and on and on and on. Um, you know, so by the time Nixon came along, she was probably, she was saturated with the information and understood politics better than anybody in the country. For May Brussel. Was there for her sort of an aha moment while she's pouring through the 26 volumes of the Warren Commission where she makes the connection between this vast Nazi network that had been exfiltrated into the United States through Operation Paperclip and afterwards? Uh, Yeah, I I think, uh, first of all, you have to understand that 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 35,000 pages of handwritten notes was was cross-referencing. And uh, she didn't know who any of these names, organizations, or corporations that she was 
that she began with, but she began to run them down, and uh, she found that, for instance, that uh, Clay Shaw, who was in the middle of it all, had connections to Italian fascists through a, a, a company in Italy. Uh, they had ties to that uh, had ties to Dallas, through a company called Permindex, which uh, owned the Italian uh, organization. So she began to run down these names and look into the histories and discovered that they had one thing in, the, in common, and that was ties to World War II fascism. And I, I really think this is where she started with some of those strange names that she came along and the European connections. Did she ever, for example, um, get to speak with someone like Walter Dornberger, who was brought uh, to the United States? I believe he was sentenced to hang at, at Nuremberg for, war, for his war crimes, and then later he's running Bell Helicopter. Well, I think pretty much she, she took it upon herself to try to put to, uh, a, a stop to some of it uh, simply by making people aware but at the same time, she knew that she couldn't take any really big steps because they would stop her. So she was in a in a pretty difficult position. She would often write letters and contact uh, um, officials in Washington, trying to make them understand what was going on. She even wrote a letter to Richard Nixon at, at one point, trying to help him out of his dilemma after Watergate. Um, and uh, I, I think she did everything that she could Short of you know uh, of of going you know to a major television production company or something to make people understand what was going on, uh, and I think she lived in fear. Uh, she was on L.A. for a time, and she had a death threat and got off the air in L.A. and pretty much confined herself to to Monterey, California, and KAZUFM, which is where I started after she died. Um, so I, I really think she was, she was in a in a tough position. She managed to get Larry Flint to help her out. He started publishing some of her articles. Uh, she didn't necessarily have to go to Hustler, but that, that's all she was left with, with because the mass media are controlled. Well, the, the, Larry Flint been. was Larry Flint was going to publish a magazine just for her. What was she? Was he not well, Rebel Magazine? It's, he gave her a sympathetic ear because he had been shot by a fascist a neo-Nazi, left in a wheelchair, and um, he became interested in her work and began to read it and publish it. And then he started up a news magazine, pretty much just for May Brussel, that was uh, similar to Time magazine. It was a weekly news operation. And he offered a million dollars for anybody who could prove, uh, you know, uh, who was involved in the Kennedy assassination. At that point, the pressure came down on him um, he, he went through long legal proceedings, and you remember he, he was interred at a place called Chestnut Lodge, which was probably the paramount, the primary mind control facility in the country, operated by the CIA. And Larry Flint came out of that facility with no memory of May Brussel or anything that he had published in that magazine. And to this day, he doesn't know who May Brussel was. Interesting. And uh, she said one day after he, he was... Uh, locked up in Chestnut Lodge that he wouldn't remember anything and sure enough that's what happened they wiped him clean amazing uh, it is it take, really us, is. take us back to the heyday of her radio broadcasts uh, on Alex and, and what would a typical broadcast have sounded like was she was she just sort of a, a welcoming listeners into her world of pouring through the the Warren Commission documents or what what did she talk about what was it like 
Well, she understood that she had to be as credible as possible. So what she did was open source intelligence. She subscribed to 50 different newspapers and magazines, and every week she would break them down into categories. Any essential information she'd file away in her file cabinet. Um, and uh, she bought up her, her house with complete, all the walls are completely covered with bookshelves, even her bathroom. I, I looked in the window one time. And uh, she tried, to, uh, she worked, like I said, compulsively. And uh, I can understand it's an interesting subject. And uh, it, you, you develop a sense of crisis. You have to understand that since the National Security, Security Act of 1947, we've been living in a, a state of perpetual warfare and conspiracy. And I, I hesitate to use that word because I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist. And I don't consider her a theorist. She would give you uh, the information she had compiled, put it all together. She would give you sources, dates, names, times, you know, and so forth, just like any other journalist. But she understood things well beyond, I think, anybody, any writer in the country. And for that reason, most people really didn't understand what she was doing. I think the average American just had no grasp of what was really going on. Yes, we defeated the German military in World War II, but the Nazis were actually a part of the American establishment. I hate to say that, but you had 2,000 corporations all throughout the war uh, who continued to collaborate with the Nazi Party. Major corporations like Standard Oil, IBM, uh, IT&T, General Motors, Ford, on down the line, with the major corporate bridge to Nazi Germany being Monsanto. The chemical industry, the drug industry, uh, you know, automobiles, the military industrial complex was all knitted up tightly with, with, uh, similar corporations over in Germany. And if you've ever read Catch 22, you're familiar with Milo Minderbinder, who was the personification of the military industrial complex, operating not only here, but in Italy, Japan and in Nazi Germany, uh, and she dug into all this, understood, uh, you know, the, the, the birth of fascism, as Mussolini defined it, corporatism, and then uh, was interested in, in anything related to that topic from the 1920s with the inception of fascism to the present day. And all of that was within her purview. And the show could be on any of those topics, but usually they were topical. And if it was Watergate, she was on top of Watergate and turning out the best information on the topic you could find anywhere. Did she, uh, at what point did she come to the attention of the New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison, of course, who holds the distinction of, uh, the only, you know, person to, to prosecute someone in the JFK assassination, uh, Clay Shaw? Well, 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 when she was reaching out, Jim Garrison is one of the people that she contacted. She would, I, I almost as desperation, she would try to get influential, powerful people to help her and to convey this message, and Jim Garrison was one of those people. Now, if you really dig into the Kennedy assassination and throw out all the cover stories and the junk coming out from the John Birch Society, and you and start following the, 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 the tracks of Lee Harvey Oswald, you'll find that the assassination actually, the plans for assassination actually began before he's elected president. Um, 
when he, in the year leading up to the election, uh, there were a number of Nazi groups, in, including one called the Christian Defense League out in California. They had their sights on Kennedy and were just waiting for the right moment to, to strike him down. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jim Garrison, uh, using May Brussels information, tried to uh, try one of, the, one of the central participants in the California neo-Nazi faction and uh, was was unable to do though do that because the state of California refused to turn him over. So you had the whole establishment fighting her and her fighting back. I think effectively uh, any way that she possibly could. And Jim Garrison was just one approach. At what point? Uh, you know, we're racing ahead here, but time is tight. And um, sure. you know, you, you mentioned that she. Uh, connected the dots not only with the JFK assassination, but but some of the the key personnel involved in that also show up during Watergate. And I know that right. two of her uh, devotees uh, were residents of 172nd Ave, uh, or 172nd in Central Park, and that was uh, uh, the Dakota Building, John and and, and Yoko. Uh, right. And and I'm wondering, you know, there are there are dots to be connected there too. Of course, the doorman that night at the at the Dakota was Jose Perdomo, who was uh, another Bay of Pigs alumnus. Uh, right, he, he came out of Operation 40, which was pretty much a death squad put together by the CIA and commandeered by, by Richard Nixon. First of all, let's back up. How did John and Yoko come to learn about May Brussel? Well, uh, you go back to Watergate and uh, a publication called The Realists, which was uh, put out by Paul Krasner, uh, back in the 1970s, uh, and um, he had a, a lengthy bit of research from May Brussel that he, that he wanted to publish, but he didn't have enough money to do it. So he contacted John Lennon, who gladly turned over $5,000 once he, he read through it, and they published the article. And, and actually, that's where I, I, I began. I picked up that copy of The Realist one day in Ohio at a newsstand, and that, uh, that pretty much got me going. Um, now, towards the end of his life, he actually had May Brussels stay with him for a week. Right? And I think that's one reason that they that they killed John Lennon because of the information that he had acquired and could pass on to millions of people. Well, uh, was, she was still on the air at uh, at the time of his death in December of 1980. What, what do you recall? Uh, what she she was talking about in the aftermath of, of his his shooting. Oh sure, she she traced the the path of Mark David Chapman, uh, his association with World Vision, which is if you dig into it, pretty much an intelligence front. Uh, they turn up again. Well, I, I won't go into it. There's another story, but uh, World Vision has quite a reputation as a, as a CIA religious front, um, and uh, you know his path to Hawaii, his his uh, finances, his marriage, his uh, is uh, he sent a he actually sent a letter a year before he turned up at the Dakota that was uh, eventually turned up uh, at the, at the Dakota about three years later in which he spoke of a mission uh, and then that letter disappeared within the uh, within Yoko Ono's household and turned up rewritten on her kitchen table a week later. So there were actually infiltrators within John Lennon's household, and I go into that in detail in a book called The Covert War Against Rock. And she had pr 
primarily she concentrated on Mark David Chapman. And if you if you take a look at the trial, you find there are four psychiatrists who anal who uh, who interviewed uh, Mark David Chapman, and uh, they, they all came away with the judgment that he was pretty much crazy. But if you look into the, the bona fides of those four psychiatrists, you find that they're all they were all on the CIA payroll. So it's facts like this that she she put together and and came to the conclusion that he had been murdered by the CIA, which is pretty hard to avoid once you have you have all the essential facts. More of my conversation with Alex Constantine when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Try the tea everyone's talking about. Nothing does what Life Change Tea does. They have no competition. Life Change Tea helps support a healthy body. It tastes great and leaves you feeling refreshed every day. I drink a cold 16-ounce glass of this amazing herbal non-GMO caffeine-free tea every morning. And I never suffer from bloating. It's as if I'm getting a gentle internal cleanse every day. A healthy colon and a healthy gut is the key to a healthy body. I love the pomegranate, but the peppermint is also refreshing. And just in time for the holidays, go to getthetea.com, getthetea.com, and check out the holiday special flavor pack, which includes a one-month supply each of the Life Change Super Tea, peppermint, and pomegranate cleansing teas. Life Change Tea is a unique blend of all natural ingredients used with great results for several years. They pride themselves on selling an all-natural USA manufactured product. This special blend aids in maintaining great digestion, and it may aid in boosting your immune system. It may also help cleanse your body from unwanted intruders. This gentle daily cleanse helps to prevent buildup in your colon, which is key in maintaining normal digestive health. Stay happy and healthy with Life Change Teas from GetTheTea.com. Use the code word UNLIMITED and all your orders ship for free. Get your tea from GetTheTea.com. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Alex Constantine is uh, my guest, editor of Fascism in America, The Essential May Brussel. We were mentioning John Lennon earlier. Here's from an old interview she did uh, uh, just after Lennon's assassination. She said that one week prior to the assassination of John Lennon in a broadcast, she stated that, quote, the old assassination teams are coming back into power. The very people responsible for covering up the murders of President John F. Kennedy, Senator, Senator Robert Kennedy, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. for Watergate and Koreagate and, and the kidnapping and murder of Howard Hughes and for hundreds of other deaths had only six weeks before they would again be removing or silencing those voices of opposition to their policies. Lenin was coming out once more. His album was cut. He was preparing to be part of the world, a world which is a worse place uh, since the time he had withdrawn with his family. It was a sure bet Lenin would react and become a social activist again. 
That was the threat. Lenin realized that there was danger coming in, into back into public view. He took that dangerous chance, and we all lost. Alex Constantine, what do you think May Brussel would be writing about uh, today or, or broadcasting about today? Would it be um, Edward Snowden and the NSA? Would it be about uh, ISIS? Uh, what would she be focusing on? Well, I think she would be just continuing the work that she's been doing all this time. Uh, you mentioned Edward Snowden. Actually, the, the, the CIA operation uh, that was transferred to the NSA uh, to do mass surveillance on leftists in the United States began in 1962 and evolved into a program that uh, was investigated by the Church Committee in 1974 where they learned that the CIA kept a massive computer database in an a IBM computer uh, system under CIA control at the time that was called Hydra, uh, which is a pretty sinister name. Uh, but uh, Richard Helms and and other officials at the CIA, at that back in 1972, decided that uh, they would they would change the focus of mass surveillance from activism, anti-war activism, to terrorism because that would give them uh, some popular support. So that became the cover story, and it's still the cover story to the present day. If you recall. Uh, when the NSA revelations came along, uh, the NSA defended itself by saying that they were keeping track of terrorists until it emerged that they were actually keeping track of everybody in the United States. Uh, and so that cover story fell away, and the right could no longer use it. And what is it that they, they want this information for? It's to control the population. So I think she would be right on top of that one, and she'd be covering it every week. And she'd be very much behind Edward Snowden and offering him support. Uh, I think any um, political murder that comes along, she would investigate uh, thoroughly. And uh, she determined that these were political assassinations. She, like I said, she'd be right on top of it and reporting it. Alex, uh, I mentioned before the break the uh, you know the legacy and the idea that maybe her legacy was waking Americans up in the world up to the fact that the Nazis didn't lose the war. They never surrendered. The German army did, but the the uh, the Vice Führer or whatever Hitler's next in line, uh, whoever that was, never signed uh, the surrender. Uh, is that is that a fair uh, a fair assessment? Well, I think that's a, a bit of an over, oversimplification. Uh, like I said, the military-industrial complex in the United States was bound up through patent agreements and marketing contracts and so forth with uh, companies in Nazi Germany, and they they pretty much uh, just operated for their own benefit, their own financial gain. The problem with major corporations is they tend to take care of the bottom line, and they really don't care how they enhance it. Uh, in Germany, for instance, they use slave labor. Uh, in the United States, you'll find all sorts of uh, excesses going on. Uh, down in Colombia, for instance, we have the U.S. State Department funding death squads down in Colombia, uh, along with Chiquita Banana and a mining company called Drummond uh, that uh, is involved in all, all sorts of bizarre activities down there. And uh, recently, 6,000 people have been murdered by right-wing death squads in Colombia uh, due to this interaction of government and the corporations. Now, this they tend to cross all international boundaries, and uh, they operate cooperatively while millions of people are slaughtered in the process uh, so that they can profit. 
And I think if you really want to explain what happened with World War II, a lot of companies got rich and 50 million people died as a result. And that's what it's all about. It's not that Germany won or the United States won. The corporations won. Uh, that's how, that's is, how it comes down. Well, uh, uh, Joseph Farrell, uh, who's been on the program many times, uh, wrote a book uh, talking about the, what he called the Nazi Internationale. Do you, do you subscribe to such a notion that there is this vast network called the, Na- the Nazi Internationale? Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly how you have to look at it. It's an international thing. Uh, it's not about neo-Nazis and skinheads. It's about, it's about corporatism that creates a right-wing bulwark against, against the left and the advances of communism in Eastern Europe. And that's why fascism was created in the first place, because the, the privileged and the rich in the United States and throughout Europe were in a deep state of fear by the rise of communism in Russia and uh, recruited a lot of basically thugs to protect their interests, and that those are the Nazis. Did we get a, a sort of an inkling of this? Uh, it wasn't an inkling. I mean, for many people, and I'm sure May Brussels stood up and took notice, when, when former President Ronald Reagan visited Bitburg Cemetery and laid a wreath at a monument to the Waffen-SS. Right. That was a grotesque moment in Reagan's history. And that was done at the behest of whom? Fritz Kramer, some suggest, who was uh, exfiltrated into the U.S. and ended up at the Pentagon. Uh, that was a, that was a huge mistake, a big public relations disaster, and um, I think it was basically Reagan Reagan's decision. I, I wouldn't say that he was put up to it. I think that he was a willing participant in this because his his his, his history was bound up with with the Nazis and with fascists, and the same was was true of Richard Nixon. Getting back to the, uh, the 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 political assassinations, which are, are part of this, and of course was uh, was a central focus of May Brussels' work, and she talked right. about you know looking for these necessary connecting links that are in every assassination conspiracy. She talked about things like, and this is true, it, whenever you know there, there's a lone gunman, there are always plenty of letters and diaries present nearby. Talk to me about the importance of some of these. Uh, connecting links like letters and diaries and and uh, and patsies. Well, okay, let's let's take the Kennedy assassination as an example. Uh, if you study it, you find out that uh, there are a lot of false leads laid down, and uh, that's because it bears a resemblance to a military operation, and that's because a general inside the Pentagon planned the Kennedy assassination. So. Uh, to this day, if you start to investigate, you'll find people implicating themselves, announcing that they want to kill Kennedy, all over the country. And uh, when a journalist comes along, or independent investigator, he's likely to, to get off on of one of those wrong paths, and that's what those diaries are about, to, to flesh out uh, uh, the cover story, which in this case was Lee Harvey Oswald, but the um, CIA had five different cover stories in case the Lee Harvey Oswald story didn't take. So they, uh, to this day, you'll find books blaming Castro. You'll find books blaming the USSR. And you'll find all sorts of evidence drawn upon uh, to substantiate those claims. And that's, uh, that's what it's all about, is laying down false evidence and false trails. And in the, in the case of, of Mark David Chapman, uh, again, uh, letters and diaries. Right. 
uh, I, I mentioned one letter in which he implicates himself and mentions a mission that he was sent on, and that letter was altered. Uh, the books amount to the same thing. If you pick up a, a book that's likely to be written by an author with ties to the John Burt Society, you'll go flying off in the wrong direction. And uh, letters are basically to lay down a trail of evidence so that they can blame a patsy like Mark David Chapman, Sirhan Sirhan, or Lee Harvey Oswald, or a number of others. The other interesting uh, thing that, that uh, has always intrigued me is that there are, there are, there's never a trial. Uh, there's always uh, a guilty plea uh, or the gunman is disposed of, as in the case of, of Oswald, but there's never a trial. These things never go to court. We never see, you know, the rules of evidence at play. Well, as I always say, the cover-up proves the crime. And in rare instances where you do find a trial, all you have to do is investigate the, you know, the testimony, the expert witnesses brought in, the psychiatrists and so forth, and it becomes easier to put together, and I think that's what they're afraid of. Uh, by the way, I have to amend, the title of the book is The Essential May Brussels. Um, originally, the title was Fascism in America, but uh, Farrell House gave it another title. Ah, apologies. Okay, so the, the, the re-release is now uh, The Essential May Brussels. The original title right. is Fascism in America. And the subtitle is Investigations of Fascism in America. Ah, thank you for that correction. Um, your, your book uh, in 2000, The Covert War Against Rock, uh, to what extent was that inspired by, uh, uh, influenced by the work of Mae Brussel? Well, actually, she put together a, a five-page uh, article, a compilation of research in which she laid out some of the facts behind the deaths of some prominent left-wing musicians. And I thought that was really interesting. For the, so for the ten next year, years, I collected uh, information myself and eventually ended up writing the book, and it really didn't even stop there, because I spent the, the last year gathering more information and filling out the book, and, and, and what I discovered is that the book really wasn't even complete. Now I have a, a much better understanding of those assassinations, including uh, John Lennon, Jimi Hendrix, Tupac Shakur, uh, 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 and a number of others, up, up to the death of Michael Hutchins. And uh, the story that I, that I put together there is so complete that I don't really think anybody can, can even argue with me on any of these deaths. No, she uh, may also, uh, you know, she talked about, in the case of, of drug overdoses, she talked about right. the possibility that specific poisons were added to drugs enough to be fatal to make it appear this, that they died. This is a subject that the FBI studied thoroughly for about 12 or 14 years, uh, how to administer overdoses and make it look like an accident. Was that the Houston plan? Uh, no, the Houston plan was something else. That was a martial law plan. In the event that uh, they were to round up uh, anti-war activists in the Vietnam War period, a guy from uh, uh, Young Americans for Freedom that was... Uh, founded in 1960, two months before Kennedy was elected, and was instrumental in the Kennedy assassination. Tom Charles Houston and others in the Nixon administration put the secret plan together for interring activists in the United States, pretty much in concentration camps, as they did the Japanese during World War II. Uh, we just got a few minutes left, uh, Alex. The the death uh, of May Brussel in 1988, I believe it was, a fast acting a fast acting cancer, I think it was. Do you think she was murdered? 
Well, the doctor said it was the fastest-acting cancer he had ever seen, and I think the odds that she was murdered are pretty much 50-50. As I mentioned, she had the C, uh, uh, two operatives from the CIA living across the street from her, and uh, she had a visit from one of the Son of Sam killers shortly before her death, and, uh, <laughs> and a number of other things went on that lead me to suspect that, yes, there's a strong possibility of murder. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, cancer happens. She was elderly. It's possible that she contracted a fast-acting cancer, but I suspect that she was murdered. And I think it has something to do with those ritual abuse cases that I discussed in the beginning. And her daughter. Her daughter was murdered. I mean, that's that's not disputed, correct? Yeah, I think that's why she was so driven to this work, because it, she, she was so stricken by the death of her daughter. And I... I as I said, I was harassed for eight years, and it didn't deter me in any way. In fact, to the present, you know, currently I'm as obsessed as ever. And I've been doing this for 25 years, and that had a lot to do with it. It just it, it makes you angry to the point where you just don't care anymore. I guess is that it about personal safety, or how, how does that work? That's, I had uh, people close to me were attacked, physically assaulted. One had a 50/50 chance of living. And she was told before she went unconscious that she, that she should tell me to keep my mouth shut. And so I've been doing the opposite ever since. You're not concerned about your personal safety anymore? Not at all. Did did May uh, in any way uh, sort of predict her demise? Uh, did, I mean, did she talk about it on the air that something is going to happen to me? Well, she always thought it was possible, and she took death threats seriously. I, I don't, you know, I, that, nothing, I, I don't take that seriously at all. I mean, it's, it's our obligation to stand up to this sort of thing. And I think that she, she felt the same way, and I don't think that she, she would give up unless, you know, there was uh, extremely strong pressure applied. And she never did give up. She fought till the, till the day that she died. And uh, so will you, I suspect. Oh, yeah. I'll uh, go beyond that. <laughs> Alex, give us your website again. Uh, that's the ConstantineReport.com. And uh, any aspect of anything I've discussed that interests you, you can follow up on through that website. Just refer to the index at the bottom of the homepage, and you'll be on your way. And what are you working on now, next? Uh, right now, I'm working on two books that will be coming out next year. And, uh, one is a revised and expanded edition of The Covert War Against Rock. And another one is called Jackals. And that's about CIA operations primarily around the world, but also uh, various assassinations, use of propaganda, um, the anthrax attacks after uh, 9-11, uh, to explain it. And there uh, all sorts of things in the book that people would find interesting. Well, Alex, uh, let's not leave it 14 years uh, this time. Let's have you back on soon. I can't wait to see the revised uh, version of Covert, uh, The Covert War Against Rock. It truly is one of the the, the, the most important books about uh, the music industry, but it's obviously about so much more than that. And uh, I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about an upcoming episode. 
C60 Evo's Miracle Molecule ESS60 makes a great gift for conscious people and their pets. Why not give the gift of radiant health to everyone on your list this Christmas? ESS60, the powerful antioxidant, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory in a bottle. ESS60 is the purest form of C60 available anywhere from C60 Evo. Benefits include increased strength, flexibility, immunity, and better sleep. Check out the great gift sets now available at special holiday discount prices. C60Evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. C60Evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Take 15% off your order with the coupon code JOLLY15RS. That's JOLLY15RS. Coming up next time, Mike Cleland is an avid outdoorsman, illustrator, and UFO researcher. He joins me to connect the dots between alien abductions, UFO sightings, and owls. Two people were in a car, they were driving at night, and they, they had to stop on the highway because an owl flopped straight down, landed on the highway in front of them, was kind of flopping around like it was disoriented. And then as they're parked there, looking at this owl, they look up and they have a close-up sighting of a hovering UFO, a hovering flying saucer. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.